Hello, everybody. I'm recording today with a new official podcast microphone, and I just finished an interview and realized partway through I had the microphone turned backwards, so I haven't edited that one yet. I have no idea how it's going to sound, but hopefully everything will be more clear for everyone listening. The podcast that you're about to listen to is with Sherry Johnson. She experienced miscarriages herself, but then turned around, turned it into a really wonderful, compassionate uh, business that she helps women who are going through miscarriage, have gone through miscarriage, prepare for their next pregnancy, kind of that whole gamut that we've all been in or are in. And she has some resources on her website that I will share, but if you want to look at it now, sherryjohnson.ca. There's some free meditations on there, free information. And also, she is giving away to three different listeners sessions to be able to work with her. So those are going to be really awesome. Tune into Instagram to see how to get a hold of that, how to work with her. She's just, she's been there. She gets it. She's done the research. She knows how to help people. Um, Yeah. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. I need your help. Let's take this community to the next level. Here's what you can do. Number one, if you like this podcast, please hit pause and take a few seconds to rate it on iTunes. Number two, donate through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Number three, share your story. Go to calendly.com slash Melissa Whitman to schedule a time to chat with me. Or number four, join our Patreon page for over 30 more episodes you can't find anywhere else as well as exclusive content. Patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash miscarriage. All the details are linked in the show notes. Enjoy the episode and thanks for tuning in. We're going to talk with Sherry today, who has had three miscarriages, and her experience going through these created a business outlet for her where she helps women recover from miscarriage physically and emotionally and to prepare for their next steps. She uses nutrition, essential oils, and mindset coaching to help them do this. And she is with us today to tell her story and to tell us about her business. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So first, we all want to hear about your story because it's amazing that it led to your professional um, business and creating an actual career. So tell us about the nitty gritty of, of all of your emotions and the physical aspects that you went through with these miscarriages. Sure. Um I had my first one back in 2012. Actually, I was just looking at the calendar today and it's almost a year to the date. It happened on June the 17th and 18th. Um, oh my so gosh. Just coming up to it. Yeah. Wow. Um, the first one. Ooh. Yeah. 
So that was, it was 2012. I was, uh, I had just started taking nutrition courses. And so I was starting to feel this need to, to get more natural in my life. And so my husband and I, I wasn't, we weren't married at the time actually, but we had been together for quite a while. Um, I, I decided I wanted to go off the birth control pill. I just, I wanted my body to just be rid of everything chemical and unnatural. And so we hadn't really planned to have a baby, but we weren't planning not to. So it did come as a bit of a surprise because it only, it was two months after I, uh, after I stopped taking the birth control that I got pregnant and it took me a while to realize it because I just didn't expect it to happen so quickly. And so we, we were surprised, but we were excited and we started to plan and, and, you know, do everything that, that all new, you know, soon to be parents start to do. And then, uh, I was 11 weeks when I started spotting and went to the doctor. Had you had any symptoms, nausea, being tired? How were you oh, feeling yeah. during that time? Yeah, oh, okay. absolutely. Yeah. I had, um, yeah, I actually had a, a pre-planned trip to the Dominican Republic for a wedding. And I remember, you know, watching everybody having an amazing time and I was just feeling so nauseous and eating a lot oh. of nacho chips <laughs> um, and, and tired, but I, I kind of, uh, that part wasn't as bad as the nausea and, and my nausea wasn't as bad as I hear some women's either. Like I just felt nauseous. I just felt like kind oh, okay. of a, just that constant hangover feeling. Um, but I never actually vomited or anything. So I was, I was kind of lucky that way. Um, so yeah, I did. I, uh, that was actually what, what triggered my sister to tell me to, to do a pregnancy test because I was complaining oh. about being nauseous and, but it wasn't in the morning. It was in the afternoon. Um, I'd sort of between like 10 and four, I'd feel nauseous. So I wasn't really putting two and two together and I tend to have a weak stomach anyway. So she was the one who said, well, maybe you should do a pregnancy test. So I did. And I was already at that point, the doctor figured about seven to eight weeks pregnant. Okay. Um, when I found out, so, so another few you know, a few weeks went by and, and you start, I started spotting. Yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, I, I didn't know anything about um, miscarriage and I had only seen the doctor once and the nurse, you know, gave me lots of information to take home and read, but it didn't talk a lot about the possibility of miscarriage. So I went to the doctor and he scheduled me for an ultrasound the next day. He said, I, I don't think you have anything to worry about, but let's just have a look to make sure. And so I went home that night and it was really not what I expected. You know, you see miscarriages happen in the movies and on TV and, you know, I expected there to be a lot of blood and pain and to need to rush to the hospital. and. I just went to the bathroom and the embryo just kind of slipped out of me and not too much, you know, it was just a couple of hours later that the bleeding stopped altogether. I had no pain. Um, 
so I did, I called the, uh, in Canada, we have a, I'm from Canada. So we have this nurse's phone line and you can call in and ask questions. So I called and said, I think this is what's happening. I think I just had a miscarriage, but it doesn't seem, you know, the way that I imagined it would be if I ever had one. And so she said, I think you need to go to the hospital. I went to emerge. It was the evening. So that was all that was open went to the emergency room and I sat there for a couple of hours. My husband dropped me off and I said, I think I'm all right. So, you know, he went and parked the car and, and came back and, and we're sitting there and, you know, a couple of hours went by. I'm anxious. And there's all these other people in there who were in pain. And I just kind of said, I don't think I need to be here. So I actually checked myself out. And the nurses warned me about the possibility of an ectopic. You know, they said, as soon as you start feeling pain, they didn't really want me to leave, but they said, mm -hmm. as soon as you start feeling pain, they felt better that I had an ultrasound booked for the next day and that I had already seen the doctor. Um, so they said, if you start feeling pain, if you start, you know, seeing a lot of blood, um, then you need to get right back here. And that didn't really happen. So I went for, I took the day off work the next day. I went for my ultrasound and in Canada, the, the ultrasound technician is not supposed to say anything. Um, I'm supposed to wait for the radiologist, but she did say, I'm not seeing an 11 week old embryo here. And so I knew, I already knew, I mean, I saw what came out. Um, and it was, you know, it was a lipstick sized, it looked like a blood clot, but it was, you know, as big as a lipstick. And so I, I knew that that was the baby. So I was prepared for that. Um, but I think I didn't really process it emotionally right away. I, I mean, I remember feeling upset and, you know, I sort of thought, you know, this, like I, I started thinking about what could have been and, but it never occurred to me at the time that I wouldn't just get pregnant again right away. Um, so I don't think I grieved in the way that I hear some other women grieving when they've okay. been trying for a while and looking forward to it. Um, but then part of me also thinks that I didn't really process it right away either. Um, because what happened afterwards, and this is, this was kind of a pivotal point for me and, and part of what led me to my business. Um, I, so as I was driving home from the ultrasound that day, I still had to wait for the doctor to call me with the, the, the kind of official results. And you didn't know what was actually I, going on. No, I didn't. The ultrasound technician okay. said, she said, you know what I said earlier that she didn't see an 11 week old embryo there, but she was mm -hmm. seeing a sack. Um, so I didn't really know, but I knew, I mean, in, in my heart, I knew what had happened. I, it just seemed so strange because I didn't have any bleeding or pain. So this is kind of an aside, but as I was driving home, I had told my, my boss knew that I was pregnant and a couple of other people at work. So I, I texted my boss the night before to say, I think I had a miscarriage. I'm not going to be at work tomorrow. <clears throat> and what happened next, as I was coming home from the ultrasound, 
he was texting me saying, I need you to get on a call with me at 11 o'clock. And I sort of thought, really? Like, this is, this is a really trying time for me. And, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. And he said, I really need you to be on this call. So I get on the call. I get home. I, I, I call him. And it turns out there's a, another director from the company on the call. And it turns out the company was going through a major restructuring. Um, I worked for a, a big tech company at the time. And so my whole department was restructuring. I lost, my my job was being eliminated and they were moving me into a new job. So this is why they needed to talk to me because this was all happening that day and I oh was missing gosh. it. Mm-hmm. So the next day I woke up in the morning and I thought, I'm reporting into this new boss and they're going to be making all of these announcements about who left the company and who stayed and, you know, the new organization and what it looks like. So I got up and went to work. I can't believe I did that at this point, <laughs> but. And you hadn't even heard back from the doctor yet? No. Uh, oh no, that's goodness. not true. I did hear back from the doctor later um, that day. So I did know that I had, that I had miscarried, um, but I still wasn't bleeding and I still didn't feel any pain. So and was there still tissue that needed to be passed? Yes. The sack was okay. still in me. So I okay. was to go pick up um Cytotec. Mm-hmm. It was it's it was a drug called mesoprostol. I'm not sure if that's yeah, you know. I think one's a brand name and one's the generic name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was to go pick that up and then um I was gonna start taking that the following day. So we were going to wait a few days. I think we actually, the details are actually a little bit fuzzy now. It's it's surprising how much you forget when you when it's so clear at the time and you think you're never going to forget it. Um, we decided to wait a few days to see if it would pass on its own. So I think I went and picked up the, the prescription. He sent it into my pharmacy and I went and picked it up. But I wasn't going to start that for a couple of days. We were going to just kind of wait it out for a bit. So I went to work and heard all of these announcements and, um, you know, and everything kind of continued on. And of course I was in turmoil, but was sort of just thinking, I feel fine. So I should, I should be at work. There's no reason for me to be at home. I feel physically fine. And I realized later that I, I had been trained through my entire life to, to keep pushing through. I didn't take the time to stop and take care of myself. And later on, you know, it's it's recently since I started my business that I I hear about how many other women do that. You know, I've heard of women uh, getting on stage to sing, or um, and another woman uh, I heard about was an anchor, a news anchor, and she started to miscarry just before. She was supposed to go on set and she went and did her, her piece. So it's, it's shocking. Yeah, I saw patients all day for one of them. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it? It's And when would go to the to bathroom, me. every couple of patients and pass tons of blood and clots and yeah. Isn't that mm-hmm. like shocking that we do that to ourselves, that we don't. And in the, the moment we justify nurture. it. Mm-hmm. We do. 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's become a little piece of my business now is to, to teach women how to nurture themselves after they've had a miscarriage to allow yes. them to be consoled and, and comforted. And, you know, we don't allow ourselves to be nurtured. So that was one thing that came out of that. I didn't realize this until much later, um, until I started my business and really started to explore um, the mindset of someone going through a miscarriage and my own, you know, self-development sort of led to a lot of these realizations much later. Oh yeah. Um, so you're at work. Yeah. Just waiting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So something else happened at work actually that also started the healing process for me emotionally and I only realized this later as well, that he was part of it. So I went down to the cafeteria. We had a our own cafeteria at work. And one of my colleagues was down there. We were the only ones down there. I was just getting a coffee. And he said, oh, Sherry, I'm so glad you're here. I thought that you must have been let go with everybody since you weren't here yesterday. And I said, no. And I don't know what prompted me to spill my news to him because we we weren't that close. He was a guy, um, but I just it blurted out, "No, I was away because I had a miscarriage," and the look on his face was pure empathy. It oh. was it was so healing for me. He, he shared with me that his wife had had a miscarriage um, oh. in between their first and third well, first and, and second um, child, they, they have two children, but they had a miscarriage in between. And so he shared that with me and just expressed his, his feelings for me, his empathy and compassion. And that started the healing process for me. I, it didn't, I hadn't even shared that news with anybody else other than my boss and I'd call my mom, but opening up, I realized later, was something that actually helped me heal. So that also became a part of my business, was really encouraging people to open up and share. And not just your story, because sometimes it's not the story itself that you need to heal from. It's it's all the other, it's not the grief, it's all the other emotions that come up. Um, other painful emotions like guilt and disappointment and that feeling of betrayal and shame. There's so many other things that come up that getting a little bit vulnerable and telling someone what you're feeling, that was really healing for me. So, so that was, so I guess I must've gone to work that day and then maybe even the next day. And then I started the mesoprostol. And, you know, I've, I've heard some other women talk about, about not knowing what to expect. And I certainly didn't. My doctor said that I would feel maybe some heavy cramping. It would be like a really heavy period. It was like nothing I had ever experienced. Oh. I had so much pain on the first day after the first, I forget how many doses, um, and it did, it was interesting that it did come in waves. It was almost like labor, 
Like it started and stopped and started Mm -hmm. and stopped. Yeah. And then it came to like a head where my husband didn't even know what to do with me. And then it went away and no real, I really didn't pass anything. And then it came back during the night um, and I had an equally painful episode. And again, a little bit of like a little bit of blood, but nothing, nothing to suggest to me that I had expelled the sack and the other tissue that needed to come out. And, um, you know, I went through three, well, the next day I called and said, I don't know if I can do this again. And the doctor prescribed me with, uh, prescribed me, a Percocet, which I also had no experience with and had no idea what that would do. So I took that the second day and slept for most of it. Um, but I don't think I really, like the pain wasn't as bad the second day and nor was it the third day. So I went back for an ultrasound and I guess it must've been a a week after the first ultrasound and nothing had happened. The sack was still there. Um, You know, they were concerned about sepsis. I think we waited a little bit longer. The doctor asked me if I wanted to try another round of it or if I wanted to go and see an OB, because um, this is just my general practitioner at this point, my my regular doctor. And so I said that I wanted to go see an OB and just explore options. I really didn't want a DNC. I'd done enough research to know the risks of that. And I, I didn't want to go through that. So I went to see the OB and in the meantime, I had also contacted a, a naturopath a friend of mine. And I said, is there anything, anything natural that I could be doing here to sort of help pass the tissue? And she referred me to a naturopath who actually specialized in, in pregnancy and birth. And so I went and saw her. Well, first I went to see the OB and I asked him if I had to make a decision on the DNC or another round of mesoprostol or whether he would be willing to wait for me to go see this naturopath. And he said, yes, I was surprised. So I went to see the naturopath. She gave me an herbal tincture. It was a combination of black and blue cohosh. And I tried that actually for a number of weeks. And everyone's, you know, every couple of weeks, I'd go back for another ultrasound. You know, I'd, I'd pass a little bit of blood and I just, I still didn't know what to expect. So I kept going to these ultrasounds, expecting them to tell me that the, the sack had passed and it never did because I just, I, you know, I just didn't realize how much, how much blood I should have been expecting and how much tissue. So it took several weeks, but eventually the natural tincture did work. Um, and did she I ever had, add any other herbs or was it just the black and blue cohosh? We, she upped the dose, uh, okay. twice. Whew. So we started with kind of a, don't low... do that at home. People listening. <laughs> yes. No, uh. it can be, it's a pretty strong tincture and oh my gosh, it tastes, I, I don't think I've ever tasted anything worse. Yeah. It was awful. Um, but yes, I, I mean, if you're going to go that route, absolutely work with a professional. Follow, yeah, the advice of a naturopath, work with with someone who knows what they're doing. 
Um, that was another pivotal moment though, in leading me to my business, because what that did, you know, I went back to the naturopath and, and as a follow-up after I had passed a lot of the tissue and I think I was bleeding for quite a while for a, a couple of weeks, um, might have even been longer. I think it was actually, that would have been, it was August by the time I started to pass the tissue from June 18th. And I was still bleeding in September. So I went back to her to say what's going on. And she, first of all, said, so you did start passing tissue. So it worked. And that at that, that moment, something shifted in my mind. I just kind of went, it, I guess it did work. I, you know, all this natural stuff, it, it, it affirmed the, the nutrition work that I was already doing. So it told me yeah. it, it validated that. Um, it made me believe that that natural route was actually, there was something to it. Um, so she actually gave me another tincture that helped then stop the bleeding because it was going on for too long and we needed to get my hormones back into balance and I was losing a lot of blood. So um, I didn't realize that was part of why I was so tired. And of course it was, I mean, in hindsight, now that I know so much more, I realize, oh my gosh, it's no wonder I was so tired. I was losing so much blood. I was really low on iron. Um, so once we, the naturopath really helped me get back into better shape and it took another few months before my hormones came back into balance. And in that time, you know, I kind of continued to, to grieve, but I didn't really, I sort of shoved it under the carpet. I didn't really, you know, I talked to more people about it, which was helpful. I found some friends who had experienced it because at first I didn't know anybody, and my own, you know, my family, my, my sisters, my, my closest girlfriends, none of them had been through it. So they didn't know how to support me. Uh, the doctors didn't send me to, you know, there's all these resources now that I know about, but they didn't send me to those resources. So, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me to Google at the time. So I just kind of lived with it myself and just kind of kept, I was plowing through work and my husband and I decided, um, he, he proposed to me. So I was planning a wedding just after all of this happened and we moved two hours north of the city that I was living in. So I just threw myself into all of that and avoided, avoided, avoided. So I spent the next year, um, it was August, 2014. So uh, almost two, yeah, it was over two years before I got pregnant again. Um, so lots of frustration and trying so you had to continue been trying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We wanted, I did want to wait until after we got married, but then it was a full, that would have been 20 end of 2012. So it was another year and a half of trying before we finally got pregnant again. And this time it was a bit of a different experience. I miscarried at nine weeks. And I was actually at my parents. It was Thanksgiving weekend. And I hadn't told them that I was pregnant 
it, we were planning on telling them that weekend. And it happened the night we arrived and we were out with some friends first. So I started to feel pain when I was out with our friends and I got back to my parents and went to the bathroom and the bleeding had started. And this one was a little bit more, you know, everything was passing right away. So this one was a little bit more like what I expected to happen. Okay. Um, so I had to tell my parents that I was pregnant, but now I'm not. And they were there at least for me this time because I didn't, I don't live close to them, but because I was visiting them, um, you know, they were there and I felt a little bit more supported this time around. That's um, nice. So you're just at their home going through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. My sister and her family arrived the next day. Okay. And my sister knew right away what had, she saw the look on my face. I had told my sister that I was pregnant. Um, and she knew as soon as she saw my face, what had happened. And so she was also there to support me, but my niece and nephew were there. It was kind of hard to really just, you know, all I kind of wanted to do was curl up in the, in my own bed and, and just do my thing. Cause this time talk. Yeah. No. And the kids, you know, they were too young to understand it. So it wasn't, like I could tell them. Um, so they were running around, you know, like kids do. And so it was a, it was a hard weekend, but at the same time, it, I did feel a bit more supported because I had my family around me. Whereas before I was living away from my family and, and didn't really have them right there. Um, now what happened with this one though? Um, I did. So I went to the doctor when I got back home and he sent me for an ultrasound just to make sure that everything had passed and given my history, you know, wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything left. And so I went for an ultrasound and I think it was actually on my way home from the ultrasound when the radiologist called me, which is highly unusual in Canada. Normally your, your results would go to your doctor and your doctor would call you, but the radiologist was was concerned enough that he didn't want to go through, you know, calling my doctor and he felt it was an emergency. So he oh, wow. thought that he saw something in my fallopian tube and thought that it was possible that I hadn't miscarried yet, that I was actually still pregnant and it was ectopic. So he sent me straight to the emerge and, but I still, by this time it was probably... I want to say like it was probably about five, it was Thanksgiving weekend. So I didn't get into the doctor for about five days. So I was already feeling a lot better. So I went into the ER and sat there for hours waiting, you know, for different doctors to come in. And this time the OB, I was in a different city. So I had a completely different OB. She was a woman. She was so much more compassionate towards me. I just felt so much more supported the second time around. Um, they didn't know what was going on inside my fallopian tube because it, the, the, they were seeing something there, but it wasn't in the typical place where an ectopic would be. So 
They ended up sending me home and thought that maybe it was just the leftover tissue. And then I had to go for blood work every week for, I think it was, oh, through till Christmas. It was October, Thanksgiving for us is in October. So October right through till Christmas, um, they wanted to make sure that my pregnancy hormones were coming down. So I had to have blood work every week to make sure that was happening and that that wasn't a an embryo in my fallopian tube growing. And then I also had to have an MRI to make sure it wasn't a fibroid. They wanted to go in and see what it was. Thought that I might have a septated uterus. I'm not sure if your listeners would know what that is. Um, but it's basically when I had never heard of it before, but it came out in the ultrasound and the MRI. They thought that I might have a, um, almost like a, they call it a septum or a membrane separating my uterus and that can lead to miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a full, for those listening, it's your full uterus and then you have a thin membrane going down the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those visual listeners. <laughs> yeah. So, so, then what? so she, my OB booked me for an MRI and it, it did look like I had a fibroid and they weren't sure about my uterus. So they ended up doing a scope. It wasn't a, um, I forget what kind of scope it was called. They went in through the cervix and that scope had a camera and then also the possibility, like it had attachments so that if there was a, f- a fibroid, they could potentially cut that out. If there was a septum, they could potentially cut that out. It turns out that there was nothing wrong. Um, oh kind of, I guess it was just tissue in my fallopian tube. So she just kind of gave it a little nudge and, and it came out, they sent it away for a biopsy and there was nothing, nothing came back. So this was all done under anesthesia. Um, and when I woke up, she said I was fine. Um, and then a month later I got pregnant. Oh, wow. So I think, you know, that, that all took from October to March. March was when I finally had the scope. Um, I think there was so much tension I had built up over that time period, just not knowing what was going on and the, the fear, the, um, the uncertainty, I, I think the moment she said, everything is fine. I just, I, I felt the burden lift off my shoulders. Uh-huh. And I think that that played a big role in my ability to get pregnant after that, because I just felt this weight. And I feel, I think that was a moment where I kind of felt physically what our mindset can do to our bodies. Right. And that was another pivotal moment for me because I ultimately added uh, coaching and, and mindset work to my business. And that was a big part of what made me believe in that connection between our mindset and the stress that we feel and the fear and how that impacts our body. So I got pregnant again and 
This one I started spotting at, uh, I was about six weeks. So when you saw that positive pregnancy test, what was your first thought? Um, That's a good question. I was excited, but at the same time, I don't think I went into either of my second or third pregnancy, allowing myself to feel the joy, the full joy of getting That's pregnant the again part mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is Ugh. really that's a huge part of why I brought the mindset stuff into my business because I feel like it's now so important for women who have experienced a loss to to heal some of that before they go into their next pregnancy because you bring that fear into your pregnancy with you. And that fear causes hormones to be released in your body. And those hormones go to the baby as well. So I think it's, I feel like that is such an important thing to do. You know, my doctor said to me after the first miscarriage, he said, give your body a couple of months before you start trying again. But I think, you know, the more, the more doctors I spoke to, the more, the more I heard just try again, try again. Like it was almost like just get pregnant again so that you forget about the first and you mm. never forget about your, the, the babies that you've lost. You never forget about them. Even after you, well, I, I never did have another, uh, a live, uh, birth. So I don't know, but I don't think, you know, from the people that I've spoken to who have had miscarriages and then live births and now have children, they don't forget their miscarriages. They don't forget those babies that they lost. So I think it's really important to, to work through some of the pain and fear that it's going to happen again before you get to your next pregnancy so that you can feel the joy of that pregnancy because we're, we're entitled to that. We should feel that joy. This is something I'm really passionate about. You can probably tell. Yeah. Um, There's, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this because I've been through this over and over and over and then did um, have two babies. You feel guilty because you're not feeling joy for the current pregnancy, but there's so much anxiety that like no one could have prepared me. And I, I have had anxiety in my past. No one could have prepared me for that level of anxiety and worry that happens during those first couple of weeks when you're pregnant again. And mm-hmm. then, but then it goes back and forth, at least for me, because then I was guilty, like, oh, I don't want to be putting this on this baby. This is a new pregnancy, but you can't just forget about what has happened. No, no, it's, I remember going to see a therapist actually after my, it was just before I got pregnant for the second time I saw a psychotherapist And so I got pregnant while I was seeing her and she asked me that question. She said, how, how do you feel? And I said, well, I'm happy. And she said, you said, well, first you said, well, you hesitated. (laughs) And I said, well, I, I, I'm happy, but I'm, I'm worried. Scared shitless. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I don't want to go through that again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so that um, 
that mindset shift, like that, that release that I felt, um, that really did allow me to go into that third pregnancy with, with a little bit less fear. Um, and I had been seeing my therapist, so she kind of helped me. She had been helping me work through some of my emotional healing by this time. And, and so I was able to get hopeful for my third and it was such a disappointment when I saw that spotting at six weeks. Oh, um, and th this was the a bit of a different. is like no other. And no, it's, oh, when you go to mm. the bathroom and you see that for the first time, it's just like, yeah. oh, no, not again. Because mm -hmm. you know what's coming. You do. Oh, and, gosh. you know, the physical part, the emotional part, how long it takes, the talking to you know your boss and oh yeah yeah and you know i i wonder i really wonder how often you know the doctors always say spotting is normal but for me it never was so i wonder how often it is normal and how often it does turn into a miscarriage That's i a don't really know good question mm-hmm mm -hmm. So this miscarriage was another quite different one because it was six weeks. And right away, my OB was working really closely with me at this point. She said, don't even go to your GP. Come straight to me as soon as you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. So she knew that I was pregnant. And she brought me right in for an ultrasound at six weeks. And that was the first time I had ever been to an ultrasound where I could hear the heartbeat. Oh. I had never heard the heartbeat before. Oh. Um, so that was a really, that was a game changer for me. So things seemed okay. Mm -hmm. She said, I okay. do see a lesion. She called it a lesion. Uh, in a, in, it's away from the sac. So she said, I, I, I think it's unrelated. And that's what she thought that's what must be bleeding. So she said, don't worry, but come back in a week for another ultrasound. So I went back from a, a week later and she couldn't find the heartbeat. Mm. So we waited. Um, I tried, you know, I was in denial for a while. I thought, well, it's only seven weeks. You know, it's possible that they, that they just can't hear the heartbeat. Um, I really, I was in denial for quite a while, actually. A couple of weeks. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to take the drug. I didn't want to try the tincture. I didn't want to do anything because I thought maybe I was still pregnant. I was still feeling symptoms. I still felt nauseous, okay. um, breast soreness. I was still tired. And so it was probably around the ninth week where I finally said, okay, I don't think I don't think it's happening. She did. She humored me and she did send me for another ultrasound just to make sure. And they still didn't hear. They couldn't find the heartbeat and it hadn't grown. So, so I knew then. And so this time I actually went straight for the mesoprostol. And I think it's hard to pinpoint why I made that decision at the time. I think because it had taken so long the first time to pass everything, I didn't want to go through that. Once I knew that the baby had died, 
I wanted, I just, I wanted everything to be over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I almost would have done the DNC at that point as, as against them as I was, I just, I wanted it to be over. Yeah. So, but this time the mesoprostol did work. I forget what you said. The, the, the other Cytotech it's also Cytotech. called, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it did actually, I think it wasn't mesoprostol. It was a different, I definitely didn't feel the pain that I felt with the first one. Um, the first time I took the drug, but mm-hmm. it, it worked it. I immediately started to pass everything and it, it kind of went along quite normally, I suppose for a, um, for a miscarriage. So that was, yeah, that would have been around the 10th week. So the baby had died at seven. Um, yeah. And then I did feel, I think I felt some relief after that, but I grieved. I feel like I had a lot harder time with that one because I had heard the heart, the heartbeat. I had more hope Yeah, for this one. It was... I think it was a lot harder than the other two in, in, in that way because I was so hopeful and had seen that little thing moving on the screen just changes everything. Yeah. It really does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after that, um, I really, you know, it took me a while to, to admit that I wanted to, I was already doing my nutrition business as a, um, and focusing a little bit on hormonal balance, but it took me a while to really figure out that, that I was meant to serve the women who had experienced miscarriage and pregnancy loss. It took me a bit to kind of admit that to myself. And you have to be ready. Your heart has to be, you know, at least somewhat okay first. I think that's what it was. I had to heal first. Mm -hmm. And once I got to a point where I was healed enough and I had learned so many different ways to heal, I, then I was ready to share. Then I, I wanted to, then you, you know, as soon as you find something that works, you want to share it. It's like, you know, when you find a great restaurant, you want to tell everybody to go there. So once I learned all these ways of, of healing and I feel like a different person now, I mean, I think you, I almost believe that you heal for the rest of your life after you've had a loss, whatever that loss may be, whether it's a pregnancy loss or a child or a parent or you know, you're, there's kind of the before and after there's, there's before your loss and there's the after and you're, you're a changed person, but, and, and you heal. I think you're always, you never forget that loss and you never, I don't know if you ever really fully heal. And that sounds really hopeless for, for the listeners who are, are just starting to experience this, but you do, 
I mean, I feel, I feel good now. I feel like I've, I've done so much personal work. I've done so much kind of self coaching mindset work. Um, I used essential oils. I healed physically with nutrition. I healed emotionally with mindset shifts and meditation and journaling. And I feel like a different person, not only from the standpoint of healing, but also just as me, like I've changed for having done all of that work and being able to get through it and now actually feel like a stronger person as a result. So that's where it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's where I do think that there are times when the trauma in our lives can turn into something beautiful. Mm -hmm. We can mm -hmm. take that hardship and turn it into something positive. And that's where I really, that's what I really hope to do. I think there's so much support to be given and I have so much empathy and compassion for all those women out there who are just going through it now. I've listened to your podcast and, you know, some of the women who just had their miscarriage in January or in the last year, like they're just beginning their healing process and they need, I know that they need help because I did, I needed it and I didn't know where to find it. You know, we kind of said it's not on the other side, but I don't have a better phrase at the moment. Mm -hmm. So you're on the other side. Yep. Um, you can kind of see the light again. What does it look like when someone comes to you? When do they, you know, at what point do they come to you? And how do you help guide them through this journey? So there's a couple of ways. So so at what point do they come to me? It's It can be anywhere along their journey. It could be right after they've had a loss. It depends on when they discover, discover me and my business. Um, it could be right after a loss. It could be a couple of years later and they're still feeling triggers. Um, cause it's not always, you know, as I said before, it's not always, it's so yes, there's always grief, but there's also all these other triggers and sometimes you can feel like you're through the initial grief, but you still can't go to a baby shower. You still yeah. can't be around a new See mom. the pregnancy announcements. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and for me, you know, some of the things that came up for me recently, I have someone close to me in my life who, who got pregnant and she, she didn't, I'm a nutritionist, so I could see how she was taking care of herself and I didn't agree with some of the things she was putting in her body, some of the things she wasn't putting in her body that I felt she should have been. And, um, and it's really hard. Like that was a real trigger for me was to watch when I watch pregnant women not do what I think they should be. And that's on me. That's me trying to let go of my feeling of control or my, my need to mother all of the other babies in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it also 
you know, for me, once I started to dig into that and try to get underneath of that feeling, that trigger, that, that irritation with those moms, I realized that it came from a place of worthiness. I felt like they get to be moms and they're not appreciating it. That's where it starts. It's it's a feeling of unfairness, but where it really comes from is this feeling that I'm not measuring up. My body didn't do what it's supposed to. And I'm now, I haven't reached full adulthood. I haven't, my body hasn't gone through what other women get to go through. So I'm not worthy. And that took a lot of work to get to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where, um, back to your original question. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's two years down the road when women are still feeling those kinds of triggers that they might come to me and I can help them get underneath of that. Like, let's get in deep and figure out where this is coming from. So what it looks like, there's, there's two different ways that, that I work with people. Uh, one is one-on-one coaching and we would work through a process of, of talking about those emotions. And then, um, I really, recommend things like journaling. So I would give homework journal. Um, it's amazing what can come out on the page that you don't even know was inside of you when you start writing it out. Uh, meditation sometimes sounds a little woo woo to, uh, to some of your listeners, maybe, um, and some of my closest friends even, but just sitting quietly and asking myself, where is this feeling coming from? Why do I feel this way? How can I heal from this? How can I learn from this? And then I sit quietly and listen. And my, my intuition usually tells me whether, you know, you believe that's your intuition or it's the universe telling you the answer, or it's coming from God, you know, everyone has their own, their own dogma or their own beliefs but the answer almost always comes. Sometimes it might take, you know, a few sessions or a few journal sessions. Um, but those are those are some examples of some of the things that I will have women do. I usually pair it with essential oils because I have a huge belief in the emotional effect of essential oils and the the shifts that they can help you make. And so I'll usually pair those exercises with an essential oil and then we talk through it. And then for the women who, who aren't as comfortable with a one-on-one session or a series of one-on-one sessions, I developed a program. So it's a six week program that incorporates, uh, I've recorded meditations for each week. I have a set of journal exercises for each week, a set of affirmations and an essential oil to use. And the journal, um, the journal exercises are like prompts, they're questions, and they really kind of help you work through, you know, the beginning stages when we talked about earlier about how we don't nurture ourselves. So there's a, a week on just nurturing yourself, self-love, how to how to cultivate that. There's a week on forgiveness, forgiving your body for 
what it's not doing, forgiving the people in your life who didn't say the right things, forgiving your spouse for maybe not grieving in the way that you thought was the right way to grieve. Um, there's so many, so many reasons to forgive. So I have, I won't go into all of it, but I have a, a series of, of six weeks where uh, a woman who's experienced a loss could walk through those weeks and, and do the exercises and, and come out at the end of it with some healing. I love that. How do we find that? On my website, uh, it's sherryjohnson.ca. And, um, can you spell that? Yeah. It's S H E R I at Sherry S H E R I. Sorry. I'm giving you my email now. The, the website is just sherryjohnson.ca. So it's just Sherry Johnson is J O H N S O N dot C A. So I have details on the program. I have ways of connecting with me. I have an Instagram account. Um, Those prompts sound amazing. Now, I tend to be someone who's a little bit like, hey, let me do some work on my own first. So I know a lot of the listeners are not that way. But for mm -hmm. those of you who are like me, that sounds like an amazing place to start. Mm -hmm. An amazing place to start. And then get into um, some more one-on-one -on -one stuff. Yeah. And they're actually... I have some free stuff on my website as well. So for those those listeners who who aren't ready to dive in yet, um, there's lots of free content there. I have blog articles. I have two two free meditations that you can download. Um, one is about recovering from miscarriage, releasing the pain. The other is more on the fertility side. So that one's around surrendering your fertility plan to the universe. And so those are free and downloadable and. And that might be a great place to start too, if if you're not ready to to really dive into the deep work yet. Oh, absolutely, SherryJohnson.ca. Check it out, you guys. Thank you thank for sharing you. your story, and thank you for being of service to this group. Obviously, it's something that's near and dear to my heart, and it's also um, after we go through miscarriage. There's a big part of, I don't want to speak for you, but I'll say for me, that just wanted to run and be like, nope, I'm done. I'm done. I'm mm -hmm. done. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I don't want to talk to people about it. I'm not going to help people with it. And it is um, a challenge, but a beautiful and necessary challenge that is so needed. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for serving this small but very tight-knit community mm, it's my pleasure <clears throat> i'm so happy to be here and i'm so you can tell that i'm i'm so passionate about the topic myself so i mm -hmm. absolutely love what you're doing and oh, i so you. appreciate the opportunity to share what i have to share through my business i really appreciate it i'm very grateful yeah you guys when you're done listening to this episode go to sherryjohnson.ca i mean free meditations and free information, you can at least start there. That sounds amazing. And then look into those prompts. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you stay connected. Find us on Instagram at Managing Miscarriage, on Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, 
And don't forget to download the free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Please rate and review this podcast to help other women find us and consider sharing your story. Hang in there, mama.